0: Driven into the wilderness, Jesus confronts a darkness that quotes scripture and uses a language all too familiar to us, the language of power. How should the Anointed One of God and we, his followers, respond? Richard Hilmer delivered this sermon at Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California, on the first Sunday of Lent, February 10th. Two thousand eight. In the name of Jesus in the wilderness, Amen. amen. I just returned last night from a three-day journey that took me across the whole breadth of the continental United States. I was in denial for some time about my itinerary, particularly on the return trip. It was bought with frequent flyer miles, and I was just caught up in the letters of it. It had me returning home from Corpus Christi via IAH and then IAD to SFO. You intrepid travelers out there don't spoil my punchline now. In fact, that meant I flew to Houston, and then from there to Washington Dulles, and then from Washington to San Francisco. What a jet setting way to do it. So you get to hear today the fruits, if you will, of labor's wrought somewhere over the Midwest at 32,000 feet as we worked our way against the jet stream blowing cold air across the continent. And frankly, my back still aches at the memory. Flying has been very much on my mind. My brother Stephen received his wings on Friday afternoon from the Naval Aviation School in Kingsville, Texas in a time-honored ceremony for Naval and Marine aviators. When his commander spoke of these, in his words, war fighters, I was suddenly struck to the core by the serious nature of commitment my brother and his classmates have made even more so as their families each came forward fragile lives some with children some soon to be married with parents and grandparents all with people who loved them families fragile and tender putting forward their youngest and brightest with their best skills to defend ideals and principles that we struggle to uphold ourselves. Families who have already made sacrifices so that these young men and women might study and learn the skills that one day could stand between them, us, and death. Stevens, newly married... He and his wife, Diane, are about to head out to Virginia Beach, where he will now be trained to fly F-18s off aircraft carriers. And I'm proud of him. My brother is one of our million-dollar fighter pilots, and my seminary debt pales by comparison. (laughs) Wrestling with my own mixed feelings about military might, I couldn't help but rib him gently in the briefing room, about the $27 million jet that he trained in. So, I asked him, if you buy the farm, does the Navy send you a bill for $27 million? No, he grinned. But then, with all seriousness, he continued, but if it's my fault, I lose my wings. That's about power and vulnerability, isn't it? The power of having those wings also brings with it the vulnerability of being at the mercy of forces often beyond his control. Part of becoming military, he knows, means relinquishing the right to protest if he doesn't like what his leaders are telling him to do. Ours is not to reason why, he told me frankly, To a degree, that's true for all of our brothers and sisters in uniform. Such is the life of duty. Indeed, it's true of so many of us as we struggle with our vulnerability to the authority that rests over us, whether in the workplace, in the government, in the church, or simply market forces. As we returned to Corpus Christi by car from the winging, my mother noted a bunch of police lights on the flat plains of Texas, and they are flat, flatter than Kansas where I grew up, and that's saying something. She pointed out a gap in traffic on the interstate coming the other direction. My iPhone suddenly coughed up a fur ball and went dead, proclaiming a drained battery. And then there was a motorcade of flashing lights and armored cars, dark and formidable on the road. We had learned earlier in the day while visiting the flight line at the Naval Air Station that Dick Cheney was coming to Armstrong Ranch to go hunting. As the motorcade passed by, my iPhone mysteriously remembered it did have some battery power left. I was caught reflecting on what it takes for a vice president to go and the power and prestige the motorcade represents. But is it real, I wondered. Is that sort of power really just an illusion, whether it's found in weapons of war or bulletproof glass or political stature and prowess? Power and vulnerability are the underlying themes in today's Gospel one that sees Jesus drawn out into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted, immediately following his baptism. Satan, the word literally means tempter, is the ancient figure of the Judeo-Christian tradition, and he looms large in the narrative whether he is the embodiment of all that opposes God or simply a projection of the inner darkness that Jesus must face and each of us must face on our own, or maybe a bit of each, we have here a disturbing but familiar passage about the darkness and light that is within us and among us. And Jesus is alone in confronting it. Perhaps this passage is all too familiar to us. For any of us who have been around the church for long, we know it well, but we often forget that here Satan quotes scripture just as easily and readily as Christ. So it stands on its own as a caution to the ease in which we use scripture sometimes against each other or demand that our own interpretation be seen as divine edict without reference to our humility or our moral accountability in relationship. There is also a trap here perhaps to imagine dueling powers in a dualistic cosmos. Light struggling against the darkness, warfare between heaven and hell. You can imagine a Hollywood computer animated effects feature of Satan on one side with his battle fleet and Christ on the other with his angels ready to fly into combat. The great cosmic superpowers at it. But this is not the kind of power that is exchanged here. For Jesus is powerless, vulnerable, hungry, unaided, and alone. what he is facing are the great temptations that arise from the call that was revealed to him in his baptism. After all, the skies opened and the spirit descended like a dove and he was called by God, beloved. The anointed. Doesn't that mean having the big cheese in your corner? The real master of the universe on your side? Being anointed implies kingship, authority, a divine motorcade at your disposal. It's as though Jesus had just been winged, senior birdman, with the might of all heaven at his command. But this is precisely what Satan wants him to demonstrate. A show of might, a force that rivals that of the Roman occupiers and the puppet kings, For Satan knows that to play God, to play by the rules of domination and control, means being trapped by those rules, too. He asks Jesus first to make food for himself. He appeals to his belly, to his gut. He wants him to issue an order out of personal desire and need allow the basic command of human instinct for survival to take over and run the show. But Jesus reminds Satan that bread is a gift that comes from God, from the very center of all being. It cannot be demanded. For everything that we demand as human beings and then receive tempts us only to demand more. Then Jesus is invited to put God to the test, to dishonor the temple of his own body, only to prove that God is really in charge, that God really loves him, despite all that was said in the Jordan. That is yet another great temptation of the human condition. But Jesus responds that testing God is to lose trust and abandon faith how many of us have had to learn with even our most beloved family members and friends the simple truth that trust and loyalty are gifts to be given, like bread. They cannot be expected of anyone. Finally, Jesus is taken to the mountaintop and he has offered everything that real kings ought to have, power power dominion and control. Surely the beloved of God deserves such things. At least it would be a sign of God's power and it would be recognizable to all of us mortal earthlings. But no. For powerlessness and vulnerability are the ways forward for Christ. The shedding of dominionism, the ways of greed, Above all, the relinquishing of the temptation to make oneself equal to God. For that is the primordial sin of our human state. It's the one that's articulated in Genesis this morning when the snake persuades the human family to partake in the forbidden fruit. Because the snake says, then you will be equal with God. We might as good Christians protest that we claim Jesus as equal to God, but then we forget that the incarnation, God in Christ, does not come to us as a demonstration of divine power, at least in the world's eyes, but as rather a demonstration of God's solidarity with the weak, the powerless, the famished, the forgotten, the vulnerable. As Martin Smith writes in A Season for the Spirit, from deep within Jesus emerges his refusal of the way of power. A refusal he will have to repeat again and again on the way to the cross. His vocation is to be the servant. He will be numbered with the transgressors, not the rulers. This is the message and the quest of Lent for us as Christians. To put down the power at least long enough to recognize the Christian way as the way of vulnerability. The way of powerlessness. To follow Jesus into the wilderness and remember the claims that duty, birth order, genetics, family, and accidents of birth and geography have over each of us. To remember that against our shared deepest darkness, we cannot, if we are truly honest, even hold as much as a candle. If truth be told, my brother's wings are tender and fragile. Even with one of the most sophisticated machines ever made at his command, he is vulnerable. Diane's grandfather, we affectionately call him Pa Bear, lovingly presided at their recent marriage. He is a military veteran as well as a retired Episcopal priest, and I caught him after the winging looking thoughtfully at a case filled with the numerous wings of one of the training squadrons in Kingsville. He pointed out to me one that was broken, indicating the death of an officer. This is the fragile life of power and vulnerability I realized, balancing tremendous machines and skills with a chosen devotion to high ideals. And now I understand what it means to have a profound respect for those who stand, in our name, in harm's way even while we hope against hope that they never have to be sent to defend the ideals we enjoy. So now I'm part of a military family with all the risks and responsibilities and worries that entails. Paw Bear prays for his granddaughter and her new husband as he trains to be in harm's way. I'll share with you, he prays for us here at Church of Our Savior and the burdens we share. That's the kind of generous soul he is, generous in his recognition of vulnerability. For prayer is the refuge of the vulnerable. It is the refuge of Jesus in the desert. Hawbear knows in his heart that we are out in the wilderness too, with Stephen and Diane and all our sisters and brothers who remain in harm's way. Out in the wilderness with our sisters and brothers close here at home who are down and out, suffering from addiction and despair. Out in the wilderness with our sisters and brothers far away who suffer from war and degradation Out in the wilderness, too, with all those who struggle with their own illusions of being powerful. And then out in the wilderness with each other here this morning, where the pressures and stresses of this day promise only to transform into the pressures and stresses of tomorrow. So my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, as you choose this Lent, choose the paths of humility, Choose the paths that acknowledge that you are really vulnerable and learn to pray by that because it's honest. Our fragility is the composition of God's grace, the tapestry on which God paints redemption. Our powerlessness in a sometimes capricious universe is the raw material of God's love, the desert experience where we are broken open again, naked even before our maker like Adam and Eve before they claimed for themselves and us a knowledge that belonged only to God and then covered themselves with embarrassment. Vulnerable as Christ was to God's tender mercy for after all the temptations of power are done and the darkness retreats to await a more opportune time, we are fed and nurtured in the bread and the wine, the bounty of God's overflowing love for us, for us, the beloved community, the body of Christ. For when we stop our grasping after power, we are drawn again towards becoming the creatures we were made to be, free of the delusions of this world and blessed in all our vulnerability and raised up, raised up on eagle's wings, that we may soar above the desert and home to the garden again, raised from death. Amen.